This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart sitting in for Cisco Cotto. And let's pick up the jobs discussion with Diane Swank, Chief Economist Grant Thornton, uh, based in Chicago. At the During the 1020 interview, uh, we talked about how there are now a number of constraints on the labor market. And one of those constraints is that you have a lot of parents who want to go back to work, but they can't because they have a hard time finding child care or their school is still remote. Uh, let's talk about uh, that side of the discussion, the constraints in the labor market. Um, how many people uh, say they're really stuck in terms of uh, trying to find a job, but they can't find someone to watch the kids? This is a real issue. It's one of the main reasons that women in particular, though parents generally, but women in particular are still on the sidelines. They represent the majority of the 3.5 million workers that have dropped out of the labor force since February of 2020, and it really is tied to child care. And it's not just the schools, it's also the after-school programs that many people rely upon for child care, and many child care centers themselves have actually closed down in the crisis. There was funding for that in the $1.9 trillion um, additional package we saw in March, but that funding has yet to reach all of the child care providers and accessible child care is really important, especially in low income households where they often don't have ways to you know, bring their kids further out to get to child care facilities. And so it's changing, it's shifting, but it's not there yet. And many schools, although they've opened up, they've only opened up in a hybrid way, which is not a regular enough schedule with the after-school programs to allow people to return to work. So it really is a major hurdle out there, and it's something that, you know, we have to get over in order to get a lot of people back into the labor force that we want in the labor force. And I think that's very important. And then very quickly, just signs the economy is in transition uh, based on this April employment report. Uh, manufacturing is slowed down in many ways that could be a function of the chip shortage. And it looks like a lot of transitional or temporary workers are being laid off, which could be a sign that offices are thinking about staffing up and looking at a post-pandemic economy. Yes, there is a lot of transitional. I'd put one more in there. It was really interesting to see the surge in hiring in restaurants and a reduction at grocery stores. And that is, you know, we're all tired of cooking at home. And so those of us, we did get some stimulus checks and people used it to buy food, but also to buy food outside of the house rather than just being, you know, shopping in grocery stores. And also couriers who are the delivery people who often deliver to people's houses. People who are vaccinated feel more comfortable going out now and stepping out a bit. 
bit. That also declined, which showed sort of the pivot we're seeing. On the manufacturing side, all of the losses were in vehicle production, and vehicle sales absolutely soared in response to stimulus checks and the fact that we're still buying um, cars out there, but that it, that chip shortage did play a huge role. The shortage of chips actually idled some factories in the country, and that was we lost 27,000 workers during the month in the vehicle sector alone, more than accounting for all the losses in manufacturing. But you do see this pivot, and as we go into that pivot, I think it's important to think about, you know, there's going to be some bumps in the road. The good news is also there is more momentum, and as we get into May and June, and particularly July, you're going to see more people vaccinated, more people feeling safe, and hopefully some summer programs are coming back. I know people who've enrolled their kids in summer programs that have come back already um, starting in June, and they're counting down the days by the minutes, so their kids will be um, doing things during the day, interacting with other kids that also allow them to return more fully back to work. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Diane Swank, Chief Economist, Grant Thornton in Chicago. Coming up, an update on prom and wedding season from the perspective of a dress shop owner. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. As more people get the COVID vaccine and more restrictions are lifted, we're once again seeing more social events like weddings and proms. We welcome in Roy Surday, founder of Peaches Boutique, 5915 South Archer in Chicago. Roy, thanks for joining us this afternoon. We last talked to you at the onset of the pandemic about a year ago when a lot of school districts were uh, canceling uh, their proms or junior proms or all those rites of spring where uh, two awkward teenagers uh, take a picture in the in their dad's living room before uh, going out on the town. Uh, what is the uh, contrast between then and now in terms of who's buying dresses and whether or not that uh, business is really picking up. Oh, thanks for having us on, on the air. Um, well, truthfully, you're right. We were shut down completely for prom and homecoming of 2020. Um, however, we have seen a spike in proms um, starting about the middle of March is when we started finally seeing uh, 2021 prom come to life. Um, are we doing full out normal uh, prom season? Absolutely not. But we're probably doing about 35% of what we should be doing. Uh, during prom season, uh, half of it is school sponsored, but believe it or not, half of it is sponsored by parents who have organized these events because uh, they don't want to let their child be two years without uh, memories of, of high school. And uh, with just a, a fraction of the typical prom schedule uh, taking place, how does that impact your business? Um, certainly, it's probably better compared to last year, but it must still be way down compared to 2019. Oh, yeah. We're, we're way down. Uh, in fact, we only were doing 10% of our business um, for the uh, 2020 year. We are now doing about 35%, but it is just barely keeping us uh, alive. Uh, when we did finally get some business, now we're, now we're experiencing what most businesses in the country are experiencing, is that is get employees to come back to work. So uh, as we have gotten some business, we are now finding the problem is to service a customer in a uh, in a time frame that is, is is comfortable for them. But we're doing the best we can as we go through this uh, thing, this uh, this uh, prom season. And very quickly, are you experiencing any supply chain issues? Um, we were at the beginning, but we obviously because of of what we experienced last year, we all really kind of. 
uh, curtailed our buying for the season. So most of our product was in our house by the the uh, end of uh, December so that we could be set up and prepared for this in case we did have a prom season. So um, there are some issues. Yes, manufacturers cut back. So, so the ability to get dresses for customers, if the store doesn't have it, they're not going to get it this year. That is a for sure thing. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Roy Surday, founder of Peaches Boutique, 59th and Archer on the southwest side. And we will keep it on the southwest side. We'll roll down Archer Avenue as a legendary Chicago pizza company works to keep its customers that it's gained during the pandemic. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The COVID crisis has proven to be a business builder for Chicago pizza maker Home Run Inn. Joining us now on the McGrath-Lexus business line is Dan Costello, CEO of Home Run Inn based in Chicago. Dan, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, one year in after this uh, historic worldwide pandemic, uh, we've learned a couple of things, and one of them is that pizza is awfully, awfully resilient. <laughs> hey, Rob, thanks for having me. Yes, uh yeah, pizza pizza stayed in favor during the pandemic. I mean, it's a great product for people eating at home. And, you know, I think as we were all locked up last year, we were spending a lot of time in the house. Uh, pizza was able to was able to do well. Now, when we last spoke, uh, there were a couple of big bets uh, that Home Run Inn made in terms of uh, building its business or at least expanding its brand uh, that had to wait until things came back, and specifically travel and baseball games, because you had a, 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 a agreement to have a space at Midway Airport and also to uh, sell pizzas at Wrigley Field. Uh, now that air travel is starting to pick up, especially on the leisure end, and now that fans are back in at, at Wrigley Field, how's that going? You know that we're, you're starting to see improvement in booking. So some of the some of what we're seeing there's not all the restaurants have been able to reopen as of yet. But um, you know, pizza because it's so portable, it's been in favor. So we're, we are doing pretty well there. And really, we're starting to learn a little bit about what we can do with the Cubs and how that partnership's going to look. Obviously, the stadium's still only at 25% capacity, but very optimistic right now as we're kind of approaching July 4th where the city and the state are seem to be getting into a line with uh, reopening establishments like that. So I think we're going to learn a lot more about um, our partnership with the Cubs in the sec in, uh, throughout the summer, you know, but at least there's people there now and we're operating. So we're feeling good about that. Is this simply a case of as one sector will probably go down, that is the delivery business, the people eating in business, uh, other portions of the business will go up uh, because you have people flying again, and uh, as of next week, you'll have Wrigley Field at 60% capacity? I think a seesaw is a good visual for everybody. It's like, yes, you know, the frozen business last year went up while the restaurant business and the eating establishments like, you know, Wrigley or Midway went down. And now we're starting to see that trend back the other way where the frozen business is starting to settle. And people with a lot of demand are starting to get back out into the restaurants. And I think as those capacities increase, we're going to see a, uh, even more of a shift. Very quickly, though, do you think uh, Home Run In might actually develop additional emotional residence with customers? Because, you know, it, it's always been this this name that evokes home if you moved away from Chicago. But if during those early strange days of the pandemic, Home Run In Pizza was the source of familiarity, do you think that might actually bring people uh, back to the brand? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, um, 
our restaurants have been a great way for us to build brand loyalty. I, I think at the end of the day, any relationship, whether it's a business with a customer, it's always any relationships grounded in trust. And when you can build trust with people, uh, with your product and with, with how you treat them, you're going to get that emotional loyalty, that connection that you're looking for, which is so powerful and anything that we do in life, whether it's business or just your personal relationships. Thanks for joining us. Dan Costello, CEO of Home Run In on the southwest side of Chicago. Still ahead in Entrepreneur Friday, turning the inflatable pool into a designer item. This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart in for Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The government jobs report for April turning out to be a bit of a disappointment today. A drug maker hopes to have its COVID vaccine moved from emergency use status to full approval. It's Entrepreneur Friday. We meet the founder of a Chicago-based company that's making a splash with its inflatable pools. And recent stories uh, cite a lack of shortage of fuel truck drivers for a rise in the cost of gasoline, but there are other cost factors that could push up prices. WBBM Business, the Dow is up 156 points, the NASDAQ up 107, the S&P 500 up 25. AccuWeather says times of sun and clouds this afternoon, breezy and cool, brief shower can't be ruled out, high today of 58. We have 57 degrees right now at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, American companies added only 266,000 jobs last month sharply lower than last March and much less than the 900,000 jobs predicted by economists. This is CBS News business analyst Jill Schlesinger. The hiring across so many sectors was really disappointing. It seems like great to see 331,000 leisure and hospitality jobs, but some of the economists I was talking to thought there would at least be a half a million of those. We saw manufacturing employment drop. We saw retail employment drop. We saw one very strange factor here, temporary help employment. It declined by 111,000 last month. And you put it all together, it's sort of across the board, a real bummer. The unemployment rate inched up to 6.1% from 6% in March. Pfizer has started the process of seeking full approval from American regulators for its COVID-19 vaccine. After getting emergency use authorization five months ago, more than 170 million of the vaccine's doses have been delivered across the U.S. Such authorization only lasts until countries declare the emergency is over. So the vaccines need a more stringent review to get full approval for a continued use. Pfizer has started giving the FDA data from human and lab testing and will submit more. These reviews generally take a few months, is our understanding. White House Virus Response Coordinator Jeff Zion says the FDA will move as fast as possible without compromising safety. Sagar Magani, Washington. It's 12.32, the noon business hour presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets are gaining ground today. We're joined by Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer, Crescent Capital, based in Chicago. Jack, thanks for joining us today. Now, normally, when uh, there is that much of a miss when it comes to the employment report, uh, the markets take a tumble, and yet they're solidly in positive territory. So what are uh, traders thinking on this Friday? Yeah, this is a, we'll call this a bad news is good news scenario, Rob. Um, two things. One is, you're right, it was a big miss, but I do have 
um, you know, o- uh, another way of looking at it that may offer a, a little more light there. But meanwhile, um, you know, on the surface, it-, it was a disappointment. Rates declined as a result, and that allowed uh, for the energy and tech sectors to move higher. Because, you know, keep in mind, the 10-year Treasury yield is really uh, is really the biggest determinant of valuation. And if we can get rates lower, it means that PEs and, and other valuation uh, measures can stay high. So I think that's really where we are right now. And so, yes, it's, it's, it sounds like bad news is good news, uh, but that's what it is. It's all about the 10-year Treasury yield. On the, on the employment front, though, um, you know, we have to keep in mind, I look at uh, ADP data, came out, comes out the Wednesday before uh, Jobs Friday, uh, and this is, a, to me, at least on a month-to-month basis, Rob, a much more accurate picture of at least the private payrolls, because here's the company that's actually processing payroll checks. Um, they, are call, they, were, they uh, saw a uh, 700 and nearly 750,000 net new private jobs during the course of April. And you're right, um, you know, the, the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which really looks at a statistical sample over a one-week period called for 200 uh, or, or suggested 218,000. But here's the issue. If you look back over the last three months and just add them all together, ADP said about a million five hundred thousand jobs were added to the economy, and it shows a steady increase between February, March, and April. Uh, and guess what? If you take the last three months of Bureau of Labor Statistics, it's a million five jobs. So I, I think that this will get reconciled, um, but is certainly in the near term a disappointment. And lastly, and very quickly, you can see uh, more states that were definitely more conservative when it came to lifting their COVID restrictions. All now, they have an end date. California is opening. New York is opening. Governor Pritzker said Illinois is going to open, assuming all goes well on June 11th. Uh, with, th- with three big states uh, fully reopening their economy, uh, what kind of growth can we see in June and July? I mean, that's it. I mean, economists are expecting roughly, uh, you know, 6 percent, uh, you know, uh, GDP growth. And then add, I think, actually, it's close to 7% GDP growth and another 3% for inflation. We're looking at nominal GDP of about 10% uh, in Q2 and Q3. And we haven't seen levels like that since probably the mid-1980s. And so this is going to be massive growth. I think that if you look at the way copper is behaving, which is a really a real-time evaluation of what the economy is doing, the thing's up... That, that commodity is up 35%, and we put that into a formula that says the 10-year Treasury should be close to 3%, not one5 Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Jack Ablin, Chief Investment Officer, Crescent Capital, based in Chicago. Coming up next, Entrepreneur Friday, taking the inflatable pool to the next level. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday, and as the weather warms up and Memorial Day approaches, we're heading toward prime pool time. And joining us now in the McGrath-Lexus business line is Emily Vaca, founder and CEO of La Vaca, creator of the designer inflatable pool called Mini Dip, based in Chicago. The website is uh, minidip.com. Uh, thank you for joining us today, Emily. And uh, this sounds like you're your aha moment came uh, when you saw, you know, kids splashing around in their plenty kiddie pool and saying, you know, how come adults can't uh, get in on the fun? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the uh, the idea was born in 2013, and I was hosting a, a party on our rooftop. It had this beautiful view of Chicago, and it was for all of our friends. And yeah, I was you know thinking of all of the details, needed something to cool off on, and the only thing missing was a pool. Um, so I wanted to get you know something like the galvanized tub that I grew up with as a pool in St. Louis. They're called stock tanks and super trendy now. Um, but I, you know, told my husband this plan and he was like, absolutely no way that's going to crash the earth ceiling, go get an inflatable option. And my heart sunk because like you said, they were all geared towards children and there was nothing that was an adult friendly option that would be fun to, you know, sip rosé in. So that's when the, the light bulb really went off, um, being a designer, I knew it could create an option that I was looking for. Now, what are some of the, uh, uh, uh inflatable pools for grownups? What are some of the designs? Yeah, so we have really on-trend, fun, colorful patterns. So we have a palm print that is our flagship pattern that I launched with, still our most popular to date. Um, we have everything, you know, that matches decor, a little bit of style for anybody. And then we also have our iconic scallop uh, tufted pool that was kind of modeled after the, the inflatable or um, tufted furniture trend. So everything, a little bit of everything for someone. And what what's the uh, the depth of the uh, of this type of inflatable pool? I mean, deep enough for one to just uh, relax with uh, with their favorite glass of something? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it ranges from about twelve to eighteen inches of water, depending on the size pool that we that you select from us. But um, it fits two to three adults. So I've been in there, you know, with my girlfriend sipping rosé and plenty of room to to dip in and cool off. Now, have you tried to uh, lean into the childhood nostalgia market? Because I'm a I'm a child of the '80s, and uh, uh, you know, would you, have you thought of a grown-up inflatable pool with maybe the patterns that we grew up with, like a He-Man inflatable pool for grown-ups? <laughs> um, that's that's not quite the direction that that we go typically. Uh, you know, we're doing more interior design-based patterns, but we've had a lot of um, really nostalgic brands reach out to us. So you never know who we're going to partner with to bring a little bit of that nostalgia in. And then very quickly, how did the uh, pandemic affect the your inflatable pool business? Because that was the only thing to do last summer for my kids was to play in the inflatable pool. Yeah, absolutely. It was super challenging, but also the most rewarding year. Um, you know, it being one of the most popular products was not something that we anticipated. Um, but we were just, you know, we had all of these plans prior to the pandemic to scale because our company was scaling so quickly. So we just had to kind of put those on halt and really just be scrappy and lean into it and, you know, ride the, the wave, if you will, of the demand and just get the brand awareness out of it. Excellent choice of words. Thank you very much, Emily Vaca, <laughs> founder and CEO of, of LaVaca, creator of the Designer Inflatable Pool Mini Dip based in Chicago. Still to come, why it's setting up to be a painful summer at the gas pump. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Several factors could come together to push up gasoline prices this summer. We welcome in Patrick DeHaan, Senior Petroleum Analyst, GasBuddy.com, based in Chicago. Uh, Patrick, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, all of these things that people had been hoping for and hoping to hear once again during uh, pandemic shutdowns and social distancing and, and working from home, they're finally happening. People are driving. People are going on vacation. People are going back to the office. Traffic is back. And with all of that activity comes a cost. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think uh, Bo Duran's been saying it pretty well on his traffic reports. Almost every day, traffic seems to be back to normal. And along with it, 
The increase in Americans taking to the road has boosted gasoline consumption to the highest level since the pandemic started, and that has pushed gas prices up across Chicagoland, and we're just within a few cents a gallon of the same high prices that we had seen in 2019 and 2018, and perhaps only about 15 cents from seeing the highest prices at the pump since 2014. And now we have a new uh, wrinkle in the mix. This is more than uh, supply and demand or the switch to summer blend or there's a refinery fire somewhere. Uh, They're having a hard time finding people to drive gas trucks. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, You know, this is so 2021 now is now that prices go up, demand goes back up. Uh, as a function of the slowdown last year, uh, logistics companies started letting go some of these truckers. And, of course, things had to come flying back, uh, demand now up, and now the counter is true. Uh, the shortage before COVID, not enough tri- drivers, is being made worse by the fact that some of them were temporarily or permanently let go last year. So uh, it shouldn't be a nationwide shortage of truck, uh, I should say shortage of drivers, but uh, areas, uh, tourist areas across the country may see a little bit uh, of a slowdown in being able to resupply gas stations. And that uh, freeze in Texas a couple of months ago also uh, cut the refining capacity. Yeah, that's uh, exactly it. We're still susceptible to the nation's refineries, kind of highlighting moving forward this summer. Uh, it was 2015 when the BP refinery in Whiting caused prices in Chicago to jump a dollar a gallon nearly overnight. With demand soaring this year, we may become susceptible to those types of issues once again. Well, thanks for joining us today. Patrick DeHaan, Senior Petroleum Analyst, GasBuddy.com, based in Chicago. If you missed any part of today's show, you can go to our stream and just skip back to the time you want. There's a pause and rewind function that works both online and with the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.